you won the lottery. But I think the fact that the state systematic, uh, systematically uh, targets what we know to be uh, lower income persons uh, as a way of raising revenue is troublesome. economics and today we're going to talk about lotteries. Why do people play lotteries? Some claim it's because of money, others claim it's because of entertainment. And maybe some of us don't like to accept it, but we just play because other people are playing. But today we have David Just and our special guest, Nell. Hello. They are going to talk about why actually this happens, right? Why do people play lotteries? Just to get the conversation started. So what's the way economists and economists, traditional economists, will describe why do people play lotteries? You think about this in terms of what a traditional neoclassical economist would think, and this is all a money transaction, right? I pay $2 to get a ticket. There's a probability then that I'm going to win some huge amount of money and some large probability that I'll get nothing. And the whole idea is if I'm playing, then I must have figured that my probability of winning times the, the amount that I could win is going to be more than that $2 that I'm paying in, right? I, I, it, there has to be a positive average payout from this. And even at that, because it's so risky, it must be a, a pretty significant positive average payout because otherwise I'd be afraid that it wouldn't pay out enough to offset that risk. And I should be able to take my $2 and go elsewhere and get a, a safer return and maybe one that's even higher. Right, but the truth is that I would think most people don't think like that. That's not how they go about when they think about buying lottery tickets, right? In truth, it can't be the way people are thinking about it, at least not most of the lottery ticket purchasers, mm -hmm. because the overwhelming majority of the time, the average payout is lower than what you're paying in. Right. And if that's the case, n nobody should be playing the lottery. Right. But, it, I mean, we see it's very popular. But so. people still play. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's, states are making a huge amount of money off of this as well as other people. Clearly, people aren't thinking that way. Right. So what, what mechanisms do you, do you guys think are working here in people's minds? There are a few different things that, uh, that psychologists and economists have found about the way we deal with risk. And, and I guess the bottom line is we are terrible at making judgments under risk. We, we don't calculate out the way we probably should, and we use some rules of thumb. And some of the things are, are you know, really simple, like, you know, we'll round probabilities up or down or, or things like that. We tend to, to underestimate high probabilities, overestimate low probabilities, things like that, which might be part of what goes on here. But what I think the main effect is here, when you have a large amount attached to that small probability, you pay so much attention to that large amount that you just you sort of ignore that underlying probability. You could cut the probability of winning the lottery in half. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have that high amount attached to it, I don't know that it would really change how much people played at all. Right. And, I mean, lotteries have been around for a while, right? So um, thousands of years. But when was the first time they were introduced in the U.S.? Um, so I think officially in the U.S. it was New Hampshire in 1964. Uh-huh. And before that, Puerto Rico, 
was having lottery, but not as an official state of United States. So after New Hampshire implemented the lotteries and then states started fighting with each other in for the extra money outflow from their states to the neighboring states who had the lottery. Right. So eventually, most of the states, it was a neighboring state effect. And lots of states now, I think 44 states in 2014, data they have state lotteries. And how big of a business is lotteries? How how much money is spent on lotteries every year? Billions. It's uh, <laughs> $70 billion dollars in 2014. $70 billion, dollars, yeah. so it's a huge amount. So somehow, so I know lotteries were banned in the U.S. Um, as uh, before the, the 1900s. So what happened there that actually states decided to unban this thing, right? Um, why did they want it to have lotteries? There was always this argument against lotteries from sort of a moral perspective mm -hmm. that uh, that this is gambling and it, it preys on people. Or the idea that it was, you know, people did this compulsively. I, now we would say it's addictive, right? It, mm -hmm. It's something that sort of ruins people. Now we say it preys on the poor. So, for example, that Puerto Rico case, the argument was, well, we need to do this to pay for medical care for the poor and state by states when 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 these have been introduced and there have been these arguments mm -hmm. about you know what how unethical lotteries can be there's always this well, we're going to make sure all the money goes to this one good thing and so you have that sort of tugging at heartstrings that makes it something that that's more than just you know making one person rich by taking small amounts of money from everybody else it's it's funding some public purpose and everybody feels good about it but then once you have new hampshire mm -hmm. doing this everybody who lives in vermont or or you know on the on the border in massachusetts wherever it is they're gonna jump the border and start buying these things and and Now, New Hampshire's, their state is starting to make money off of their neighbors and, and uh, essentially taking tax money away. And so there's huge pressure at that point for Vermont, Massachusetts, for other states nearby to start thinking, how do we recapture those dollars? Right. So to me, it sounds interesting that state officials elected to, to do the lotteries because it was funding a public good. And that's something that made them feel good. But none, I'm sure none of the people that played the lottery were thinking about that. They were probably just thinking about the payoff. So it's interesting how it goes two ways. So maybe it's a good point where we can start talking about what actually happens in practice. The claim is that mostly education and people in need, they channel this lottery money into those entities mm -hmm. in the state. But usually at least it's criticized that by channeling extra money to those entities, they take out the money that was supposed to be in there before the lottery money out. So eventually education gets the same amount from the state regardless of the lottery money inflow into the budget. It's not only that. I mean, so it's not just that the money is fungible and so it's not clear that it's a net benefit to those areas. But uh, there are some states like Maine where, where there is absolutely no restriction on the money that comes in. It's just general state coffers. You can use it for anything. It's unclear exactly how much of a benefit this is to those public goods directly. Uh, clearly, there are some cases where it is, but not everywhere. So let me ask you a question. Is, is lotteries considered as gambling? Because I know that there are some places where you can't actually have casinos, and this seems to me just like a gamble, a gamble managed by the state. At the end, it has another use, which is not for profit, 
but it's still a gamble. It is gambling, and it is a highly regulated area. I mean, there's a reason why it's a state monopoly. If it wasn't gambling, then what's wrong with everybody setting up their own lottery? Yeah, and, and I guess that goes to the point where, where, for example, in fantasy football leagues, states are trying to, to ban them. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? So they are the ones making the laws, the rules, and here they have a thing that's exactly the same as gambling, you're putting money, and they are allowing this because they run, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, you have something that same idea works the same way, but they are banning it, right? So they are having the monopoly of these gambling entities. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those strange cases where there's something unethical, and so the government wants to be the, the only one who can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, so how ethical is that, right? I, I think there are serious ethical questions regarding it. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, how do you um, feel? Yeah, I, I'm not really f- in favor for lotteries in usual. So especially when the states, state governments are running the lotteries, at least they have to be really clear with what they are doing with the money and really clear picture of how the lottery works, what are the probabilities for to the general public so they have an understanding too what they are playing for or what are the chances to win. It may, might be slightly better situation so so would you suggest that instead of just advertising the big jackpot of 1.5 billion dollars um they should also also advertise your probability of winning the ticket sort of like the thing they do with the cigarettes (laughs) Uh, is that an an idea that would be fair game at least for people who are unaware of the chances to win and the recent powerball game which was more than billion dollars to win it was one to 292 million dollars probability to win that jackpot, which is a small, very small amount chance to win. So if they have that right, yeah, as the cigarettes announce what they are, it's bad for your health. So if they announce that too, it will be slightly fair game for both sides. You'll also find some of the big criticism of the lottery right now is... It's targeted at who is playing the lottery, right? right. It's targeting, uh, they, they claim that they target them. In fact, I think Obama said recently, they target the poor in their advertising. I, I don't know that it's necessarily that they're targeting the poor in their advertising mm-hmm. so much as they've, they've sort of tinkered around with their advertising until they get sort of the best sales possible. And it happens to be, those are the people who are most responsive to that type of advertising. So, so you don't think they have a team of neuroscientists in the back trying to, to tailor this advertisement to, to specific groups of people? I, no, what, I, I can't imagine a, uh, you know, an industry that is as regulated as it is being that highly competitive and sophisticated, right? I, I just don't think that's what's going on. But, but you don't think it's going on, that's what's going on because it's just regulated? Or do you think it's because um, these types of industry, because they are run by the government, are kind of ethical? Or... Well, so certainly they have worries about that. In in most of these states, there are some checks in place to try and ensure that they're not doing real harm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how effective those checks are. Like in, in Texas, they have to have these studies of, of who's playing all the time. I don't know exactly how effective those are, but if they really had a group of people sitting around a table scheming, how do we get more poor people to right. you know spend their hard-earned cash on this, it'd leak out. And there would there would be real problems for them. So I can't imagine they're thinking that way. I don't think they would want to think that way. Right. But I don't think they have to, right? I, 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 you tinker around enough and you experiment around enough with where advertising works and what types of advertisements work. Right. And this is just naturally who's going to start playing. 
So going back to, is it harmful? Do you think letters are har are harmful? I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's actually pretty good evidence that uh, that this is taking money from people who are least able to afford it. So can you develop uh, a little bit more on that or maybe can nail have you been quiet so, for a while? Yeah, at least I think there are a couple of studies mm -hmm. showing that it really is positively related to unemployment rate. And uh, we did conduct a study in main lotteries mm -hmm. for a couple of years with the data set, with very uh, localized data set, which was really good source. And eventually we found also that unemployment rate has a positive impact mm -hmm. on lottery sales. So it was like a 1% increase in unemployment led to what? 4.7% uh, increase in the uh, lottery sales. Yeah. And it was quite significant result. And another f interesting factor was that unemployment compensation amount had a negative relationship with the lottery sales, which basically tells if people get unemployed and they had higher salaries before, right. basically the unemployment chunk is higher or bigger, then they're still playing less lottery, which means the poor people are the ones that are playing more lotteries. So, so, so let me... Let me rephrase it to see if I understood. If my compensation is, for example, $10,000 and your compensation is $5,000, you're going to play more lottery than I am? No, if we both become unemployed uh -huh. and I had higher salary before, so, okay. I had less chances to play lottery than you do. Oh, okay. So which means people with high income or who had high income, mm -hmm they are less inclined to play lotteries. This actually fits very closely with what we find about risky behaviors generally. Contrary to what economists think about how people should make decisions, right. very often when we experience some sort of loss or we operate in an area where we you know, we're, we're have less than we think we should, okay. then we start taking on risks. We start taking on a huge risk to try and get back to that place that we think we should be. So you become unemployed and suddenly you think, I'm not where I should be. I, I should have a lot more money than I have coming in right now. I'm going to start taking risks to do this. And that makes you prone to play something like the lottery. But then, for example, if my salary is low, I get unemployed, um, then I start playing because I want um, a salary that's similar, even though it was low, but it was higher before because I had one. But for example, if I earn a big salary, I earn a good wage, then that would mean that I would like to play lottery again, but that's not the same not the same idea as we were talking about. What Ganel was saying, right? If you have a higher salary than I do, then I'm going to play more if we both get unemployed, correct? Yes. And the thing I think is that people with higher income and yes. then they get unemployed, it's possibly it's temporary too. Oh. And basically the idea is, when they get unemployed, it's temporary, first of all, yeah. So they know what happens. Plus, at the same time, because they are not used to playing lotteries too, right. that might be transferring to their continuation of behavior also on when they're unemployed. I think if they still keep staying unemployed for a long time, then they might start playing too. But I it, it probably depends a lot on what types of risks are available, right? I mean, if, if I were to be unemployed tomorrow, right. sure, I might take risks to try and get back to the income level that I have here as a, as a professor at Cornell. Right. Um, but those risks might be in terms of what types of jobs I apply for, mm -hmm. in terms of what sorts of connections I exploit to get those jobs. Right. Lottery just would not be top on my list of possible <laughs> things to do that would be able to replace that. Whereas if I was sort of lower income 
and maybe I was in some job that didn't offer the same level of unemployment insurance or whatever. If I'm at that lower income level, really that might be the risks that are available to me, right? It might be that some of these other options that I'm talking about just aren't things you could think about. I see. Well, so let's talk about what happens when people actually win the lottery. So let's say tomorrow I win the lottery, um, I win, for example, I don't know, $90 million. So what's the type of profile of the people that, that win today? And then what happens to them five years down the road? Really good question. And actually, there have been some good studies done on this, although some of this is still a little bit anecdotal. Right. But I, I guess the way I'd first like to introduce it, to sort of think about this, if you win the lottery, you win $90 million. Now, you're working for us right now right. and not making anywhere near that. Right. And so $90 million would be a very new experience to you, right? It'd be very different, just completely different planet from what you're used mm -hmm. to. Whereas if... Instead, tomorrow you were to go out and start working for a hedge fund or something like that and started getting really big bonuses and worked your way up to $90 million, you would have a lot of time to adjust to it and to figure out how much money that is, what the limits of it are, and to be familiar with how you could in invest that or use it to the best of your ability over that gradual period of time. What does that mean? Well, that means that when you win the lottery, you don't get all of the, the knowledge you need and all of the experience you need to know what $90 million is. And because it's so far different from what you, you think it should be, you're subject to really big errors. And what does that mean? Well, it means you're going to make bad decisions right. and you're going to be potentially worse off for it. So just going back, so what, what do you think a good idea for lotteries would be? Well, not for lotteries, but but maybe to make it a little bit more benevolent would be, let's say, so on, so I'm 23. Let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for 70 more years and I win $70 million. Do you think it's a better idea for the lottery to give me, well, not better, but maybe more benevolent for the lottery to give me $1 million each year until I die? I still think you run into the problem. It's the same problem? I, I think it's probably to a lesser extent. Uh -huh. But I think you still probably run into the problem. So you asked, you know, what sort of happens five years out? Well, the studies that have been run on this, about a third of lottery winners mm -hmm. go bankrupt. That's about twice the rate of the normal population. And fine, you know, a million dollars is less than 90 million. So maybe it's closer to your experience level. Mm -hmm. But I think most of the people I know were they to earn a million dollars in a year and knew they were going to earn this million dollars in a year would still go out on the spending spree and think, this is so much more than I've ever experienced. I'm not going to have to worry about money. But I know several people who make a million dollars a year, and it's it's not unlimited cash. <laughs> you still have to make decisions about where am I going to take my vacation or can I renovate my house or something like that. You don't have an unlimited amount with a million dollars a year. And once taxes takes it away or certain amounts of it away, right. it's, it's really not all that much money. That sounds perverse, right? <laughs> right. But talking about, about what happens to the people that actually um, win the lottery, as you're saying, 33% of them, I think, go bankrupt. Um, which is twice as the normal rate of people that don't win the lottery. Yeah. Um, are they happier? No, they're not. And there, there are a few different types of studies on this. They, they, on average, they report being no happier. There's actually a significant portion that feel like they're much worse off. There's a long literature on, on what sort of creates happiness. And a lot of it is sort of our expectation. So surprisingly, when you go out there and you, you interview lottery winners, they have this expectation that this is going to solve all these problems, right. right? Then they get the money and they start spending and they realize, first off, it's nowhere near as much as they thought they were going to get. And it's not that the dollar amount is less. It's just dollar doesn't really buy as much as they thought a dollar bought. <laughs> But also they start to realize that 
overwhelming majority of their problems are caused by things that don't have to do with money. It's, you know, it's personality issues, it's, you know, things like that. And as well, then you have this team of family and, and acquaintances that come in and start asking for money and start thinking that you can, you know, subsidize all of their problems too. <laughs> And it doesn't work out. The flip side of this, expectations end up making a big difference. Part of this literature, it's really incredible. They interview people who a year before became quadriplegic mm. or a year before started kidney dialysis. Right. And these people rate their quality of life as just great. <laughs> they, they are extremely well off. Uh -huh. Why? Because they anticipated that they wouldn't be able to do anything. And then they start realizing, no, I can adapt to this. And there are a whole bunch of things I could do. This is wonderful. So you're saying <laughs> that, that, that let's say I win the lottery. I have twice the chance to go bankrupt. I am probably not going to be happier. Well, at least am I going to stop playing lottery? Do you think that's, that's no. what's going to happen? No, 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 no. 90% of them still play the lottery. Most of them play, well, buy more lottery tickets than they bought before. Well, they've got a little bit more money to spend on lottery tickets, but it's addictive, right? I don't use that term technically. If you want to motivate behavior, best way to motivate it, the most strongest motivator is not just to give somebody, you know, a reward every time they do it. It's to give them a reward at random intervals and in random amounts. Well, this is exactly what the lottery does. And so you win that huge jackpot and suddenly you start realizing, I might be able to win it again. Imagine that, that'd be wonderful. And so you, you start playing the lottery more than you did before. So winning the lottery doesn't seem as nice as I thought it'd be. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I can tell you. You're not into it, huh? Okay, th this was all very interesting, but just let's work out the takeaways. For example, the takeaway for me is I'm not going to play lottery because I have twice the chance of going bankrupt. I'm probably going to spend more money playing lottery than I was before if I were, and I'm not going to be happier. So to me, it doesn't really make sense to start playing lottery. I think that's certainly one of the big takeaways. It, the other part, the part that I, I worry about is really just the fact that the poor spend a higher percentage of their income on this, the fact that it is regressive, and it, it really does seem to play on their feelings of hope or, or a desire to try and pull out of poverty. I think it unfairly targets the poor, whether intentional or unintentional. There's a talk in Maine right now that they're, they're going to ban lottery play by welfare recipients because they don't want them spending the government's dime on, on lottery. But if there are ethical problems with them spending money on the lottery, isn't there problem with everybody else too? For my part, I think I would just say that states can be more fair and open to the public about the information on both sides, how they're spending the money collected from the lottery sales, at the same time providing information about the chances of winning right on the first page of, I don't know, lottery or their website, which is really tough to even figure out what are the probabilities. And so not to make it as a hidden information or suspicious information that the public doesn't know. And personal advice, get the lump sum if you win. That's better <laughs> in analysis. So thank okay, you. Thank you very much for that advice, Gunel. Um, so that was great. Thank you very much for listening to us and join us next time at Mad Hat Economics. Man? I'm afraid so. You're entirely bonkers, but I'll tell you a secret. All the best people are.